This one seems like some kind of rock bottom for the Wolverines. They say that, and sometimes it can get worse. and uh, It can always get worse. But today, one of those that you will probably remember, but you don't want to remember with uh, Michigan losing to Rutgers at home, the first time the Scarlet Knights have ever won in Ann Arbor, and things were looking so good for Michigan all game long until the uh, – well, I'm sorry. Things were looking good for Michigan – certainly in the first half, in the beginning of the second half. But as as doomed them all year long, you know, you play two halves. And the winning time is the last 10 minutes, certainly the last five. And Michigan disappeared as Rutgers slapped some 14-0 run on them and cruised past the Wolverines for the victory. This one hurts. This is Michigan's worst game since, uh, you know, you can put a couple different games up for uh, debate for their worst games of the year, McNeese State, uh, to end the year. But um, uh, not good. Nothing good coming out of this one today. This is one that is going to be remembered in not a good way for Michigan. Hope everybody's having a, a great Saturday. Let's go over this one. Game number 22 on the year for Michigan. Rutgers in town for this Saturday tilt. And, you know, UFM played loose and confident early out of the gate. Now, I didn't see the first nine and a half minutes because the Northwestern Minnesota game went into overtime, but you know, following it online, that's what the reports were from the Chrysler Center. And, hey, the Wolverines were up nine at the half, 39-30, but we've been there before. Like, nobody was, like, putting this – I don't know. It sounds um, – nobody was putting it in the win column, right? No, nobody was doing that. In fact, a lot of people were heading to their – their phones and, and, and betting Rutgers on the money line uh, at the half and, and, and bragging about it because they've watched this team. And then, but the second half Michigan, you know, they, they get out to a 15 point lead. It wasn't like, you know, the, they got out in the second half and they were just like, Oh, well, you know, time to go belly up. They waited a little while for that, you know, a 15 point lead just a few minutes into the second stands. And you thought, Hey, maybe this will be an easy, Maybe you just thought it was going to be a win that Michigan was at home and Rutgers wasn't all that good. But, you know, here's Scarlet Knights. They get the lead down the four midway through the second half. And then you're thinking, uh-oh, and then three-point game with just under seven minutes to go. And then there was that that 14-0 run that the Knights slapped on Michigan. And you say, well, you know, man, you know, Rutgers was just hot and they they felt it and all of that. You know, uh, I'm sorry to say you don't like that. There was a play in this game where the ball got batted around. It was Michigan's ball, and there was .02 on the clock. And if you're old enough, you remember this uh, this great scorer. I think he's from uh, is he from Saginaw or Flint? Trent Tucker. And it might have been on a Christmas Day 30, 40 years ago that they determined that you could not get a shot off with 0 .02, 0 .03, and they called it the Trent Tucker rule. And everybody knows the Trent Tucker rule. But Michigan had 0 .02 on the clock, and they drew up a jump shot. 
you have to throw the ball at the rim now. Like that's elementary stuff. It's like Jawan Howard and his staff have forgotten how to teach basketball. The players, I think we can say court awareness and yeah, basketball IQ low for this team. Who does that? The 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 turnovers. Now, the broadcast crew was at practice, and they were talking with the staff, like, what happens? Why is this team a Jekyll and Hyde basketball club when it comes to first half, second half? And they went, and Sonny Washington gave them the theory that when it gets to the second half, they don't have the bench in front of them, so they can't relay the signals or the the plays or whatever. Now that's a that's not a new one, but that's really something. That's an indictment on the players that are out there. Now nah, they they just can't handle it because they can't hear us because we're down at the other end, and all the coaches do that. You might as well have said, our guys just have no basketball IQ, and unless we're holding their hand, we're doomed. That's what I got from hearing that from the broadcast crew. Today was a disaster for Michigan basketball. It, it takes you back to the, the real lean years with Brian Ellerby as the Michigan basketball coach, when there was no hope. When the other team would come in and you knew that Michigan wasn't going to win any games. But the one thing about this particular team, they're in dead last in the Big Ten. And the Michigan basketball team, even through the Brian Ellerby years, never finished dead last in the Big Ten. And this was the unfortunately, you know, like, I mean, that sounds harsh. This was the battle for the seller for the big 10 seller today. And now Michigan owns the seller as they're looking up at everyone. They were looking up at everyone heading into the game and now they're continue to look up at everyone at the bottom of the big 10 standings for the first time since Cassie Russell left the team in 1965 before he was the first pick of the Knicks in the 66 NBA draft. That's how long you got to go back. And so these are the kind of things where, you know, we talk about like, well, will the athletic director do something with his coaching staff? And everybody's like, you know, most people, myself included, are like, ah, probably not. And other people you'd point to that are like, playing the long game, say, yeah, you know, Michigan basketball, they're not going to be able to get any players because they're not involved in the NIL game with, with basketball. And there is a point there. But my point is, is like, what would it take for the AD to make a move? And it's things like today. 
Ward Manuel could not have watched this game and been like, oh, yeah, let's, let's not panic. Let's, you know, no, he's, he better be panicking. Oh, no, I, no, I don't know. If he, you know, he should see that the team is panicking and everybody else is panicking. And then he should have a deft hand and look at that list of his on his desk. No, not where he wants to play golf once it warms up. The other list underneath the, the, the two deep of basketball coaches. And he better start maneuvering or think about maneuvering. If he has not thought about it, and, you know, of course, publicly he has to say, yeah, well, let's, uh, you know, we're hoping the coach's health. And, you know, okay, yeah, sure. Nobody's going to be like, who cares about his health? They're right. And I'm saying this because Ward Manuel was asked last last Saturday. He was asked about the basketball program. That was when Sharon Moore was being introduced down in Ann Arbor. Afterwards, Ward Manuel made himself available to the reporters. And there were actually a couple of the reporters that said, hey, you know, what about the basketball team? And that's what Ward, you know, said. And of course, you know, what's he going to say? Oh, yeah, that thing. Woo! Woo! Yeah! That guy I hired? Woo! This is over. No, of course, you know, he's not going to do that. But he better start looking at that list. And uh, I have put together a list for you to take a look at here today. Folks have been, not a surprise, in asking for a list. And then I said that I would get you a list, you know, three games ago. And then it came up and I kind of forgot. And then, then I was like, I promise I got the list. Let's take, you know, we're always here. We're after on, after every Michigan basketball game, we'll look at the schedule. We'll look at the numbers in this one. Well, I always like to hear from the people to see where they're at. And, you know, you might predict, I know how I feel watching this one. I felt good. Like, okay, hey, Michigan, you know, getting back, you know, four-game losing streak and very winnable game. They played well. They got, you know, their their Doug McDaniel back, and they're actually pairing them up with Jalen Llewellyn at times. Those two don't play together at all. Uh, like, maybe they found something there. Terrace Reed Jr. playing well. The broadcaster's like, yeah, th- this is the Reed Jr. And it all just went away. You know, Pucks of Connie uh, Phil, is that the groundhog? Yesterday he went out and saw his shadow. This feeling a little bit like P. Maximus is saying groundhog day with his team. A new and creative way to lose a ball game. You wake up, hit the alarm, and you go out there, and it might be a different team, but it has that groundhog feeling with this team. The doc is pointing to a lack of leadership and dysfunctional from top to bottom. He misses the teamwork and grit from the beeline days. You know, doc, sorry to say, you know, but doc, I understand where you're at. Jam W. Not happy with Doug McDaniel. Can't make a play for anyone else when it's tight, and the defense is the worst I've ever seen for his skill set. Yeah, the the home point guard is did not have a good game today. We'll get you know he's 
got the ball on the string. He's a jet, but you know, the, 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 uh, part-time point guard for the Wolverines didn't have a good one today. Amy checking in and say it was a really hard watch. The collapse is unreal. The D is non-existent. Amy, I agree with that. Doc talking about a lack of basketball IQ. Ryan not very happy throwing out the dumpster fire. Also mentioning that John, I'm sorry, Ryan, that there's no John Beeline. He didn't recruit, but what? One or two All-Americans. Yeah, it's tough because John Beeline is a legend. And Juwan Howard followed him. And it is tough to follow a legend. Henry pointing out that, uh, or making the point that Juwan Howard, does he now realize that getting into a heated argument with the strength and conditioning coach, John Sanderson, wasn't a good idea? I don't know, Henry. We'll just have to speculate on that because he's not, he hasn't, I haven't seen one comment from Juwan Howard. I saw one comment from his son, Jace. I didn't even see out on the floor today. I saw him with a beach ball and a picture for the upcoming game against Wisconsin, which they're going to get killed in that game. But Jace was like, oh, it was a misunderstanding. No, it wasn't, Jace. A misunderstanding. The guy's still your strength and conditioning coach. That's going to go on the list of hopefully with the athletic director when he's weighing everything after the season, like, you know, sorry. When he's weighing everything about the pros and cons of his handpicked head coach. Well, he had any, ins- you know, he didn't slap punch anybody this year yet. The positive. Oh, but a heated argument with a member of his staff. I would put that. Some, it's a buzzword that a lot of people say. Unacceptable. And I hear that a lot. That's unacceptable. And I say, well, you're going to fire somebody if it's unacceptable? And they're like, well, that's just unacceptable. Well, no, you're accepting it then. That. Combined with the the track record, the heated track record for Howard is unacceptable. Because his team is playing so poorly. Uh, If the team, let's say, instead of being uh, 7 and 15, you know, they were 15 and 7. You get some breaks when that happens. You side with the head coach. Well, this is how it's going out here. Mop guy played more defense than Michigan. Yeah, there was a that was uh, interesting. You know, the Rutgers was running a fast break, and and the mop guys out there, and the Rutgers misses a shot, but they're still the refs not blowing the whistle. Michigan's not getting back. The mop guys out there. Good point, a mop guy. 
AC says, looking back on it, that Wisconsin incident was a perfect opportunity to fire Jawan at the moment. Manuel seems unwilling to fire Howard, maybe to protect his own ego. Yeah, well, Ward, we don't know for sure. So we'll see what happened. And there's no indication that Manuel would, would pull the trigger and move on. But yeah, that was supposed to be like, because... Was it the year before or the year before that in the in the opening round? It was the year that they went. So it wasn't the first year. It was the COVID year. So it was the one the year they went to the Elite Eight. And it was the first round of the, of the Big Ten tournament where Juwan Howard had to be restrained from going after the the coach from Maryland, Turgeon. And not just restrained, like, hey, USOB, you know, no, like, it looked like he was going to grab him and, 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 and fight. He was chasing him around the court. I had never seen an instance like that ever in college basketball. I don't know if I saw it in the pros, now with a coach. And then he followed it up with the, the slap swing. Well, look, by then, most Michigan fans were protecting him, saying, well, that's mostly on them or whatever. That's when I knew, like, wait a second, you guys, it's fine being a, a homer and everything, but when it comes to talking about things that are going on with the team, just sometimes just talking about the media, is <laughs> better sit this one out. No, that's your critique? That's ah, for something different. Diamond wants to talk about the nuts and bolts of this game, 12 points in the last 17-03 against the 13th-ranked Big Ten team. That team's not winning another game this year. Mm, well, I'm not going to argue with you on that. Teams, reflection of the coach. McDaniel's suspension is ridiculous. It's crazy to watch him. I know. Saying a bunch of, you know, you, you always think you can say something that you can go lower and I can't say, you know, I, I always hate, I, I do hate it. That when you're a new coach, like you, the players are yours, even if they were holdovers, the recruits are yours and you're the coach. So you get credit for that. People like to use like, no, nope, he was doing that with Beeline's player. It was Beeline's DNA. And it's like, Okay. Even in the second year, people were saying, that's Beeline's team. But I give coaches credit that when it's their team, when they're on the sideline. So that first year, the 19, 20 years, the COVID year, Juwan Howard did a nice job. Jigen would have made the tournament. Yeah, he had a lot of play. What are you, okay. It is, it's worth, it, you could talk about it, but it seems to be so one-sided with people. But, yeah, you know, like, he did a good job still. I remember when they went down to the Bahamas, and it was against North Carolina, I believe, and they, uh, or whoever they were playing down there, ball movement, things were looking good. Next year, when they went to the Elite Eight, came a shot. They had three shots with under a minute to beat UCLA. One of them wide open. From the very spot, if you handed Franz Wagner the ball and say, hey, where do you want to shoot a game-winning shot from? Three. Where would you shoot it from? He'd say, right here. And he airballed it. But, you know, they would have gone to the Final Four. Why, I love that team. 
They were the, one of the most entertaining teams, and uh, the coaching staff, well, they look like they were pushing all the right buttons. I mean, obviously the high point. Because the following year, the regular season didn't go any good, but the, uh, the one didn't play, go well, but they got into the tournament, and then they won two games, so they got to the Sweet 16, so that erased a lot of that. But then last year was a huge step back. And then this year, if last year was a huge step back, I don't even know what you can call this year. Just sprinting in the wrong direction. Ryan pointing out those guys had played, a lot of them. John Beeline for three years. I, I can't, I'm not arguing it now. Like I've, uh, I've lost that argument. I used to argue that. And I still, you know, you get he gets credit technically and everything, but for people that are like, yeah, you know, Eli Brooks, yeah, good point. KRB says at this point, there's nothing to be gained by firing Juwan in season. They will wait until the season ends. Yes, for as much as I'm, you know, like ranting and raving and everything, I I would not advocate firing Juwan Howard. Like right now, unless he had another incident with somebody on his staff or somebody else on the other team, then it would be pretty easy. But like to your point, like Juwan Howard played here, uh, fine man, Michigan man and all that. So, yeah, you'd give him to the end of the year. For sure. Again, unless there's something like he's had before a few incidents, but you, know, you can't predict those. You can, but. I'm not going to. Let's take a look at the numbers. Not good. You already knew that. How about 39, getting outscored 39 to 20 in the second half? Oh, they have stayed consistent on that script. Not too shabby of a first half. Lead at the first half. And then a complete collapse in the second half. I mean, they this was Michigan basketball to a T from what we've seen this year. Kamwa, 14 points, six boards. He's a fine player, but he is not a good passer, and he is not a good ball handler. Terrace Reed Jr. played a really good game, but disappeared in the second half. 12 points, 15 boards for Reed Jr. Doug McDaniel had one of his worst games uh, in this season. 10 points, one board, three assists, four of 10 from the field. Disappeared in the second half. Terrence Williams, the second. He's had a nice bounce back campaign this year. Disappeared mostly for the entire game. Same thing with Burnett. Nothing coming from the bench. Cheddar, I don't know what you say, if he's regressed or not. He just hasn't shown up. Llewellyn at home, not much when he has to share with McDaniel, although they played a little bit at the same time. There was a little sliver of uh, like there, like, hey, good idea. Trey Jackson, who is a streaky player, not the kind of streak that you want today. They don't get anything from the bench, and they lose this one. That's the bottom line on that. Let's look at the upcoming schedule plus a list uh, that Ward Manuel might want to take a look at if he has not have his own list. I'm mocking him a little bit. He probably does. Let's check that upcoming schedule. It was brought to you by the Maze and Blue Reviews. Good afternoon, Michigan football and basketball. Three times a week, 2 o'clock, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on this 
feed that you're watching or listening to right now. It's not going to get easier for Michigan. Wisconsin did go to Nebraska and lose in overtime after being up 19 the other night. Big surprise for me. The number six Wisconsin Badgers coming in. Maybe Juwan should take a run at guard in this one. Show some fight. Insert your own joke there. Is it is it Valentine's Day? Or is that last year? Should probably know on Valentine's Day. It's the 14th. That's not it. I'm making myself laugh. Wisconsin, and then Michigan will head to Lincoln to take on Nebraska a week from today. That is the upcoming schedule. Now, people have been asking for a coaching list. If Ward Manuel decides to move on from Juwan Howard, who would he consider? I've put a few names down for your consideration. I'll get to you those in a second. I do want to remind everyone that Mason Blue Review right now is free until spring. Let me repeat that. Free until spring. Go to michigan.rivals.com, michigan.rivals.com, and enter the promo code NATCHAMPS24. NATCHAMPS24. This offer is valid for a limited time. Jay Wright is retired and says he has no fire to come back and coach. He's very uh, comfortable on the desk, analyzing games. If he was going to come back, most people think it would be to the pros, but I'd still put him on the list. I would definitely give him a call. Things can change. Here's 8 million, Jay. What do you think? Kelvin Sampson down at Houston. One time at Indiana. Kelvin Sampson makes $5 million. His son, apparently, he wants to hand a baton to him when he's done down there, so he's got a Nice thing going down in Houston, top-ranked team, all of that. Calvin Sampson is a hell of a coach. I would also call him. Nate Oates had to go through the whole murder situation. Last year, the year before, recently. Seemed like it was last year. But he coached at Romulus. He knows the area. He's coached at Romulus for, what, 10 years? Oates would be somebody. Shaka Smart's done a nice job with Marquette. Be an interesting one. Greg McDermott has done a nice job at Creighton. A little older, but he's a hell of a coach. Might be worth a call. Some of the mid-majors that are on the rise. Shirts. Josh Shirts at Indiana State. Darian DeVries at Drake. Wes Miller at Cincy. Chris Collins, Doug Collins' son. Chris Collins, the head coach at Northwestern. The former Duke Blue Devil. Hell of a coach. Lamont Paris, South Carolina. You look at his bio. He is one everywhere. And Dusty May, who took FAU all the way last year and then stayed at FAU all the way to the Final Four, right? Went in the championship game. And that's a it's a hot name. 
There's the list. Yeah, all of them. You know, I am putting the names up there. Ryan's like, Chaka Smart would be horrible. Look at Texas. True. But look at Marquette right now. That's my list. I don't know what your list looks like, Ryan, but I put up my list. And there it is. That's it. Michigan will play again on Wednesday. Thanks so much for watching. I hope everybody enjoys the rest of their Saturday night. The final is 69-59. For some reason, it says here that Michigan is 7-16. and 16. I have them at 7-15. and 15. I think they're wrong, but let me double check. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe CBS knows what they're talking about. And it's me who has gotten it wrong. I will check. No, 7 and 15. They got one right. 7 and 15, five-game losing streak. Two and nine now in the Big Ten. Ten-point game. Another second-half collapse for Michigan. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday night. Signing off. Whew. See you later.